You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am Kenneth. And tonight we are looking at the 13th episode, Lucky 13, of Star Hunter Redux, the most wanted man. A meeting happens between a man named Harmon and the agents of Orchard. He has what they want himself, and he'll turn it over to Darius. When that's not an option, he instantly renders the Orchard operatives unconscious and leaves at high speed. On the ship, Dante and team have been hunting for Harmon too. The bounty on him is astronomical, but they have come up empty. This is a problem for Rudolfo, who, like an idiot, told people they already had Harmon in their custody in an effort to stave off his debt collectors. It fails to do that, and it attracts unwanted attention for the Transutopian, and now everybody wants to take her and relieve her of her prisoner. There are some tense moments as Dante struggles valiantly to deal with a crew that keeps abandoning him, but despite Percy's sabotage, again, and Lucretia doing back deals on her secret comm line in her quarters, they get away, track down Harmon, and take him although he seems to be willing. All he wants is a meeting on neutral territory with Darius. Lucretia promises him this. Dante vetoes the idea. So, he instantly renders Dante unconscious. He cuts a deal with Lucretia because she's Darius's daughter, and therefore he trusts her. She takes him to the waiting orchard ship and turns him over with their promises of a meeting with Darius. On the way, Harmon gives a little info about the Divinity Cluster. He first met Darius at the Evening Star site in Africa, where faint evidence of aliens was discovered, mostly corroded alien metals. He obtained and became obsessed with a small disk with alien writing on it. One day, it cracked open and had a liquid inside. He dipped his finger in it and became what he is, the destroyer of worlds. Only he knows what the Divinity Cluster is about, and it's going to happen to everyone and everything we know ends. Spend the time you have left with what's near and dear to you. She leaves him on the ship, and soon it blows up. Back on the Transutopian, she's received a coded orchard secret message from the ship. First, the disposable villain of the episode, Charles, starts a report. Then, Harmon shows up behind him and says, they're all deaf to what he has to say, and... This way, he'll buy some more time for humanity. He destroyed the ship, and presumably himself. Dante, pissed off at Lucretia's obvious secret agenda in this episode, has listened in on the conversation. When she returns to the bridge, he tells her he wants her off the ship. Ooh, harsh words from the ineffectual loser of a captain. It'll never happen. The end. Okay. I gotta say I'm about checked out on this show. Um... But um, there we have it. Once again, uh, we got a little bit about the Divinity Cluster. That's sort of, sort of, sort of interesting. And the rest of it, nope. Um, I can't stand these characters. I can't stand the way they behave. I, Percy is just, I mean, 
All she had to do instead of saying, but I want to talk to you about, but I have this thing. I want want to say a thing. I'd like to talk to you about, I'd like to say, how about, I got Harmon. Fast and simple. Get the word out. You need to get the word out. Harmon, Harmon, Harmon. Got Harmon. Know where Harmon is. He could, she could have shut this whole thing down at the beginning of the episode, but no, she just, I did, I did, okay, I'll go sabotage the ship then. And off she goes, and I'm just going to pound her till she just, ah. So no, I didn't like this episode. So what'd you think of this episode? Oh, I like it. And I didn't see the sabotage, but. I saw her fix the engines. I saw her. You don't think she screwed up Caravaggio? No, I think she she fi- I know she knows she fixed him, and I know she got the engines working. Then when she when Dante said we're going too fast, she got it slow again. But by just yeah, no, I I I felt like she screwed up Caravaggio. That sounded like she did one of her secret little things to stop him from nagging her, and and did it. But I mean, she's done it so often. Why wouldn't you think she did it? You mean. Why give her the benefit of the doubt? I mean, she's supposed to she's supposed to be smart, right? She's supposed to be able to keep this ship running. And I know it's in bad shape. And I know it's she's really not trained. And but for crying out loud, she couldn't remember what the startup sequence for the engines was. Was it uh, red, white, blue, green, 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 green? But uh, and then the only way to stop the engines is to rip a major cable out. Come on. Like, come on! It's just this is just not. But and the fact that Dante's like all forgiven, uh, as soon as she says, "Oh well, I've tracked Harmon down." Oh, you're such a great kid. No, she's not. She's not a great kid. She's a terrible kid. She's a good excuse for ending all of humanity by my means of the divinity cluster. I, I. And, you know, no, I gotta go get the engine started now. I mean, we're gonna die if I don't, but no. It's not, not a good, not good. And, and, you know, as, as I alluded to, Dante's not gonna kick Lucretia off the ship. I mean, he can't stop Percy from destroying the ship or doing anything she wants. He's not gonna stop Lucretia from doing whatever she wants either. He, he's completely and utterly useless. As as a captain, as a bounty hunter, as anything. Um, you know, if there were an interesting universe going on here in this story, it would be better if we were somewhere else. Follow. I'd rather follow the orchard guy. I don't know anything about him except he's dead now. But, I mean, it's just... I mean, Charles. Uh, yeah, Charles. Yeah. You know, Darius is more interesting. And, and maybe that's just because we've only seen him for a few minutes in total. But I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I just, and well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I am on my, I'm on my tear and I'm going to finish it. Um, the stuff about the divinity cluster. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, you know, you've, you've been holding this up. Um, I don't feel like the show has been holding this up. Okay. You're coming from a position of knowing the future, but you know, I don't feel like 90% of what we've watched has been in support of anything interesting happening with the divinity cluster. So I don't feel like they have crafted a a story arc that makes me care or, or makes me very curious about what's going on and that the many things that we've seen don't appear to be consistent with one another. So it's hard to attribute them all to the same, the same ongoing mystery. And since it's, 
So now we finally get a piece where they come in and, you know, kind of like an arc story in the X-Files and they come in and, and they give us more about the Divinity Cluster, but they didn't. Well, they didn't really give us anything about the Divinity Cluster. They didn't make it interesting. It, it it's, it, they, okay, well, we knew there was an alien artifact, not, not a revelation. Uh, we knew the orchard had found it somehow or had been access to it. Okay, fine. Um, Apparently the orchard knows there's something up with it, but we don't know why. But this guy, all right, I'll I'll take the exception that he stuck his finger in it because it hypnotized him and called out to him and sang to him. But he, you know, he doesn't tell us anything to make me care about what the divinity cluster is. It doesn't give us any age. They put stuff in it and it's going to destroy mankind. Your time is limited. It's going to explode and all of us in the DNA. It's like, is it a destroying thing? It, it, you know, is it going to destroy mankind, in which case it's a bomb? Who cares? Uh, is it going to change mankind into something else completely? And in which case he sees what it is, apparently, and yet he still thinks it's the destruction of mankind. So will everyone else who then gets this also see that and not want it to happen? I it, I asked those questions, but but frankly, they just didn't make me we just don't get enough about it to make me care about what what this is. It, it's just right at the moment. It's just hyperbole. It's going to destroy everything. It's going to destroy everything. Give me something, anything concrete. Convince me that you actually have a plan. And the writers have not done this. They have convinced me that they do not have a plan and that they are just throwing stuff in every once in a while to to. And when they tie it up, I will be I will be gobsmacked. If they tie it up in a fashion that makes sense or that is satisfying, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could be the outlier here. I don't know how this show got two seasons. I don't know how this show got through one season. I really don't. I, I, I just do not. Um, I don't know how it got remade. <laughs> I mean, that that's like double insult. It's like, wow. Okay. Somebody likes this show. You like this show? I'm not, I'm not trying to pick that, but I've never met another person that's even heard of the show. <laughs> Apart from you, which, you know, is is weird. Uh, it, it obviously must have been there, but, and I have tried to avoid looking online and getting spoilery stuff to see uh, what it is. So I, I, I'm not in on the zeitgeist. Um, you know, do they have their own, do they have their own fan club? Do they, do they have like, Dante's, Dante's, uh, uh, heck, Dante hasn't got anything. Dante's grunts, you know, I like the brown coats for Firefly or. There are nothing like that, but there were some webs, there were, there were websites about it. There, it, it does have a cult following. <laughs> so did Charles Manson. <laughs> okay, it's not as bad as Charles Manson. I'm going to go on the record right now saying that I am not making an equivalency between Star Hunter Redux and Charles Manson. <laughs> Just I will I will clarify that and uh, and go, but I don't know. I don't know. Okay, see, tell me uh, something interesting. Tell okay. me something good. That I was makes taking some mental good. notes here. Say, um, point one is uh, the 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 um, divinity cluster is getting warmed up, shall we speak? And it's um, prominent in the next two episodes and all, all really all but maybe three of the remaining episodes of the season. And it 
this isn't the purpose of this episode is not to lay out the full exposition on the cluster and what its purpose is and who's behind it and so forth. It's to rev rev that up a little bit and we'll be going for the rest of the season. Can can I uh, okay, but but let me let me interject there. Um we have a situation where Harmon clearly wants to talk about this with Darius. And he does not want to talk about this with anybody else but Darius. And we're not 100% sure why, but I think it's because he trusts Darius, but uh, or, or at least has a, a working relationship with Darius. He does. Both counts, right? So when he gets the chance to talk to Darius's daughter, which he wrongly assumes they're, you know, close and lovey-dovey, and so he starts to giving her a little bit of warning. He clearly knows she's part of Orchard. It seems to me like he should have opened up, not not like I'm going to dump everything on you just in case I don't get to Darius, but I feel like he could have been a little bit more specific with her about, you know, something about it. I mean, he didn't even say, he didn't even say anything as, uh, as still generic as, all mankind will be trans. All humans will be transformed into another form of life, or you know, he gives the vague. It destroys everything, but destroys is such a vague term. You you can argue that, <clears throat> you know, they destroyed season two of Buck Rogers by changing it to the Searcher, but we still had Buck Rogers. Or you can argue that you know they destroyed something because they they canceled it. Uh, you know, and they got rid of it or they, you know, took the tapes from Doctor Who and erased them and destroyed them. Destroyed means many things. And here it sounds like he means it hyperbolistically, i.e. Yeah, they'll still be mankind. It just will be so unrecognizable that we'll, you know, that sort of uh, childhood's end kind of thing. All the people who are worried about the kids transforming into something else are, see this as the end of humanity and they see it as the next stage of humanity and I, i'm guessing that's where he's going but he could have said something a little more on point when he's talking to darius his daughter okay sorry okay. go on okay by the way good book i, I remember that and i like that novel very much uh, number point number two dante doesn't have the authority to kick luke off the ship that i believe <clears throat> he doesn't have the authority to do much of anything and but... um and, and um, to that point one, um, this is an episode that has three notable omissions between the original version and the Redux, and I'll take these in order. Number one, this uh, we have Rodolfo's opening transmission. Cut. Okay. This is one of those where it would have helped to 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 retain it. Okay. Rodolfo reveals that he is he has. Five. He owns. He is the owner of five vessels. So he has five bounty hunting crews going around the solar system. Okay. He is perpetually in debt because he takes because he has taken out bank loans to buy these ships. Okay. And he has three payments coming due immediately and no money. Okay. That's why he really wants this bounty. Well, now, I, I got that from just the little bit we had, though, that he's just deeply, deeply in debt. doesn't matter why. It could be gambling, could be ships. But, okay. I, I mean, we we got that from the few seconds we had of Rudolfo, that he's stupidly in debt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's point number one. And But the whole, but the whole point about what, what, why, why he's in debt, which is it's on business. It's, it's like um, 
a businessman who has who has expanded his holdings too quickly. That's what he is. Okay. Point two. In the original version of the episode, Charles outright lied to Harmon. And it's you don't if you're just watching the Redux episode, you don't catch the line because it's not there. In the bar? In the bar. He lied to him. In in the original episode, Charles explained why Darius could not be there. And he said it was because Darius was the chairman of the Outer Worlds Peace Conference. Okay. Yeah. I When I watched the episode again today, I was halfway listening initially, and I went back and I thought, asked myself, did I, did I miss a line? So I went back and I played it, went back to that part and played it again, and there was a missing line. And I realized it. So I... Opened up the, uh, I, I put the DVD, the original episode in, and wa- and went to that scene, and there was the missing line about the Elder Worlds Peace Conference. Note number one, it tells us something about the political structure of the solar system. Okay. That there has to be, an, and that there is conflict in the Outer Worlds. And okay. Then, number two. Oh, 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 okay, go ahead. Okay. Number two. Darius being a, being the chairman of it is a lie because the next episode shows that much. But it's interesting, but that line is not in the Redux version of the episode. Well, okay. Darius, you, you say because the next episode says it was a lie. Yes. Does it actually say it was a lie or does, is Darius just in it? And you're assuming that it must have been a lie because he's not chairing the Outer Worlds Conference. I know, I know. It it, it it doesn't actually use the word, doesn't actually say this was a lie, quote unquote, but it does, but that, but the opening, one of the opening scenes of the next episode, which is Half Dense Players, blatantly contradicts what Charles said, which means in universe, Charles lied. Could you, would you work on the assumption that the, because I would, unless it's the same writer for the two episodes that this is just redux trying to square square a continuity flaw as opposed to a deliberate lie because there are no consequences to this lie uh, at all because it would appear that Harmon is dead and never caught out the lie so there you there you go it it it's it doesn't it doesn't make any difference that he told him he was at the outer world's conference or the inner world's conference or he was just you know had covid-19 and was in quarantine it it doesn't matter uh it didn't seem to matter in the context of this episode if they had added that line in unless at some point it had been revealed that that harman knew it was a lie but you know i just i knew harman was was I don't want to say lying, but in other words, I knew Harmon had no intention of doing whatever it was. Okay, okay. Charles, he was saying because he Charles, sorry, Charles liked to Harmon because he was he's slimy. They hired a slimy actor and had him play it slimy. So I mean, that was why I knew that Charles was not to be trusted. But I didn't get anything other than Harmon didn't want to be fobbed off on a secondary. It's like okay, we're done here, and he has the power to do it. And okay, I will we'll answer that. The first point is the writer of this episode is Peter I. Horton, who has written another episode, has written one of our previous episodes. As he, he wrote Trust, 
which is the one which was the second one aired, and yeah, the episode uh, and the author the writer of the next episode half its players was series creator Phil Jackson G Philip Jackson one of the series creators wrote the ep- wrote episode number fourteen half dense players which opens directly it opens immediately after this episode ends well that kind of makes uh, sense it the so uh, it, i do know that when people were make were were make were going into the redux versions of all these episodes they were doing some nipping and tucking and so i could see that people say well we know Char- we know charles is a yeah. slimy liar anyway just might as well cut that line because they're trying to make it streamlined well, I also think it's a little bit more, I think it's more, um, more direct. In other words, this is, this is not about Harmon wants to turn his information over to the orchard, right? Because if, if Charles played it 100% straight with him, I feel like Harmon would still say no. He would. Right? So he would he still, and so I, all I care about is seeing Darius. So therefore it doesn't matter whether Charles plays straight with him or not, really. Obviously, Charles is not, because apparently as soon as he gets over on the ship, he somehow finds out that they're completely, you know, not going to do whatever it is he wants them to do. Take him to Darius. So, so he blows him up. But yeah. Okay. All right. So, all right. Next, next rebuttal point of my. <laughs> and the third cut is one that is for the purpose of continuity. Okay. Because in the, uh, in the pre-redux versions of all these episodes, the design of the tulip was different in the first season than it was in the second. Okay. When you're watching these redux episodes, you're seeing that second season design, with the exception of the bridge, projected backward into the first season. Wait, when you're talking about the design, you're talking about the interior of the ship? The, I mean, the exterior. And um, the... So when you see these these ship exteriors in these mm-hmm. first season episodes, you're looking at the second season version of the ship. Okay. Brought backward. Now, when I was watching these episodes on disc or before before read before they got reduxed, I went I went from the last episode of season one to the first episode of season two, and I thought, what happened to the ship? Mm-hmm. It went into hyperspace looking one way. It came out of the hyperspace looking another way. It's hyperspace for you. Yeah, and so I, did, I worked out my own theory of parallel universes, and then now that Redux has made the ship look the same in both seasons, I can't say that. <laughs> but, yeah, so be it. But the original design of the ship is somewhat visible. If you look uh, on the bridge, if you look where that stained glass version of the ship is, you'll see it in some scenes on the bridge. That is an idealized, cleaned-up version of the, of the original exterior. And the in the original exterior, as it was in the first season, was this really beat up, junky ship. You can yeah. look at it and say it belonged in a junkyard. Now there is a scene in this episode where the asteroid where, where an asteroid hits the ship. Yes. And in the original version of the episode, Luke and Dante are looking using their cameras to go try to find the damage point, and they can't find it because the ship looks so damaged anyway. But and they give, took that out. Yeah, but given yes, people cut it out because people redesigned the ship, and that line doesn't fit anymore. Hmm. Okay. I was going to say I haven't even seen the stained glass representation of the ship on the bridge. 
So, and, and you know how stained glass doesn't look like the thing it's supposed to represent anyway, except in a stylized way. So I, I wouldn't think that would be a problem. I thought you were going to say they had to remove the shot when they walked in front of the stained glass because somebody would go, oh, no, no, no. That is like, no, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't even know it was there. I did notice there was a, a thing in an elevator, some artwork that wasn't a tulip. It was, a, I don't know, a person or a lump or something, but it didn't look like a tulip. And I thought, oh, that's not the tulip motif in the show. Minor point. Okay, I, I, all right, while we're going through these, a couple things crossed my mind, and I've just been chatting them down here so I can bring them up. Re- remind me, because it's been a very long time, are there any religious connotations to the evening star? Or is that only the morning star for Satan? Evening star sounds possibly Eastern Orthodox. Because I wondered if that had something to do, you know, if it had been, if it'd been morning star, then obviously, you know, the allusion to this being the devil is, is fairly obvious. But evening star, I'm like, hmm. I wonder if, the, if that's, you know, like calling him Dante. If, if it's just the writer trying to be clever, but I, I couldn't pull any, I couldn't pull any specific meaning. It just feels like there should be something that I'm missing. Um, I'm looking this up on Google. There seems to be some ancient, there's some, uh, some more esoteric new agey references <laughs> coming up. And I seem to also remember that I was once, with reminds there was a C, a compact disc I had. It was a recording of Rachmaninoff's All Night Vigil, which was for the Easter Vigil. And uh, the name of the recording was Evening Star, but that's what I have. Hmm. So let, let's take a look at the, the bit where he's got five ships and he's grossly in debt, or even if we ignore why he's grossly in debt. We've had this before. There are illusions that Rodolfo has some contact with the orchard. Yes, he does. Why would they let him run out of money to the extent where his ships get repoed if he is doing work for them. Uh, we could assume safely that them throwing him the business for hunting down Harmon is their way of seeing that it doesn't get repoed. But all their stuff previously, I mean, he's, he's always seems to be like, they're so in debt. They can't not, not so, not so bad that he would be stupid enough to tell people that he had him when he didn't have him, because that was a, a bit of a, that was definitely a, a dumb move, but so he's he's not going to be an effective agent for them very long at the rate he's going, unless he find that perform gets Harmon for them, which he did, and he got double the pay, and that doesn't satisfy anybody. But now Harmon wants to see Darius. Yes, he does. He's very insistent. Is there anything? Was there anything in this episode that gave you the impression that Harmon didn't have superpowers? That he could render people unconscious, he could travel at high speed, who knows what else he can do. You don't think he couldn't get to Darius? Nobody could take that man. Um, and first he would have to find out where Darius is, wouldn't he? Don't you think that he could have, instead of knocking Charles out along with the others, which I thought he killed them, but I'm guessing obviously he did not. Well, okay, let's rephrase that. It was edited in such a way 
that when he flashed them and they all collapsed, I couldn't tell if Charles collapsed too, because I don't think he was in shot. Or if he was, he was on the floor and I couldn't tell his legs from somebody else. And so I assumed that he just killed them all and left. But obviously we see Charles again, therefore he didn't kill him. And we see that he doesn't kill Dante. So therefore he has the ability to knock people out. We don't know if he can kill them at this stage of the game. But if he had been talking to Charles and Charles said, well, you know, we're not going to, I can work on behalf of Darius. Charles could say, no, you will take me to see Darius and flashed everyone else in the room except Charles because he didn't flash the bartender. So he, he could, he can take him down selectively. And then he could have said to Charles or else come back to me with your decision. And then, and then flash Charles just to, just to show him he means business and he can do it. The point is, is that if the orchard understood the extent of his powers, which they did not when they were trying to catch him because they wanted to know where the artifact was. And he's like, no, I'm the artifact. What? I don't believe this. Uh, So having demonstrated that, having proven that no bounty hunter could ever take him because they couldn't, I mean, he could have flashed them at any time. At at any point, he could just, oh, here you are. (laughs) Done. Nothing. No one's ever going to take him. He could go pretty much wherever he wants and, and take him down. He could eventually get his way to Darius without doing what he's doing. And that part feels like it's just a need for them to have our bounty hunting crew have something to do in the episode. But I, I feel like Harmon had the power to do pretty much what he wanted to do. And, and the, finally, I did note that the places that they listed where Harmon had worked were pretty much a rogues gallery of the places that we've, and the things we've seen in the course of the series. Ganymede, working with the Raiders. Mars. Mars, yeah. So they they did give that list, and it's like, oh, well, I worked on the assumption from that that he was actually an orchard operative. At that time, sure. They said he's Martian intelligence, but he's been here and he's been here and he's been here and he's been here. And and you're like, huh, (laughs) those are all the places that we've seen weirdy stuff happening. So maybe that's why this is a thing. But obviously he's just doing parallel work, which also probably means the Martians know something about what's going on. I don't doubt the Mars Federation knows. Um, It's interesting, without getting too spoilery here, Darius was close. Really close. But... You mean physically close? Physically close. He was... And that comes up at the beginning of the next episode. But, yeah. But that could also be, you know, Darius having figured out what's... When he sent to see Harmon, they didn't know what Harmon was. So when they found out, and presumably Charles reported back, I could see how Darius might be, whatever he was doing, even if he was hosting an Outer Peace conference, he's like, get me on a ship and let's get going. Now is the time. And, you know, since the Trans-Utopian had put out, we've got Harmon, everybody knows where he is, supposedly, even though he wasn't. So, you know, that that he's close in the next episode doesn't, doesn't surprise me if it's important to him. And we know it's important to him because we also know that he's battling internal factions at the orchard. Uh, what was her name? Baguette? Um, Paquette. Paquette. 
Uh, Isn't baguette a French bread? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. But <laughs> names, you know, paquette. I don't know. Is paquette a French name? Yes, I've never is. heard it before. I've never heard it before. Not a lot of French people in this part of the, the okay. world, to be fair. But um, Oh, Darius was on a ship, all right. But uh, I'll be in the next episode. But <laughs> Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I get you. He's on board the Trans-Utopian. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's I mean, hiding. At the, I mean, at the point of this episode, in mm-hmm. universe, Darius was on was on a ship, an orchard mm. ship, an orchard ship. Oh God! Directly from the moon to Jupiter. All right. What else do we have? Let me look through my my less organized section of notes. Ariello. Ariello, yeah. And Commander Klein, don't forget him. It's fun watching Commander Klein uh, and and Ariello bicker on screen. Yeah, Ariello is a bit of a caricature. He he reminded me a lot of um he reminded me a lot of uh Shockeye in the first episode. Macduff. Macduff, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the you know the ridiculously broad caricature of whatever it is he was supposed to be the broad caricature of, just wanting to blow up Dante because he wouldn't get any money for his repo if he did that, which makes no sense at all. But there you go, or the or Harmon, that would be, that would be a total write off if he did that. I, I guess I I guess where the only fun part of that is the whole the particle being, oh the great particle being, which is the only time you, is the only time we get it. Well, yeah, it's obviously bad like everything else on the ship and only works after you've been struck by an asteroid. Right. Uh, <laughs> Here is an opportunity. Here's an opportunity for them to make Percy useful and worth her value for being on board the ship is if Percy could have gotten the particle gun working. But instead, it's just dumb luck and an asteroid hits the ship. Yes, but uh, but on the other hand, she did track down the Ion Trail. She did track down the Ion Trail, which apparently is no big deal because Ariello did the same thing for the Transutopian. Um, but again... But she, but she tracked down Harmon's yeah. Ion Trail. Right, and and we don't know what it is that she did that made it so that she knew that was Harmon's ship in the first place, except that she called up and said... There's a ship leaving without clearance. And I guess that could be... She's making the assumption that's Harmon? It's a reasonable assumption. And as I say, even when she finally does tell Dante that she got a track on his ship and she knows where he is, she doesn't really know it's Harmon. She's guessing. Unless, again, unless we do, it was Harmon's ship absolutely unequivocally in some way, shape, or form. And, you know... The the whole the whole arc of this story changes dramatically simply because she can't say the words "I've got Harmon," which would have at least shut Dante up for the thirty seconds she needed to say "I've got a track on his ship right now," instead of having to do whatever it is Percy has to do to and I think it's I think it's maybe I'm I'm going to give credit to the writers here that may not be due. That maybe that they've decided that the psychological profile of Percy is that she is not, does not actually care about anything except having an audience. What I want is I want for you to shut up. I have something important to say. 
I'm not going to tell you what it is, which is exactly what the show does. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, but I, I, I don't care that we're in a crisis or that we're about to get blown up or anything. I, I, I would like you to all sit and pay attention to me for a few moments while I say something. Could you, could you do that? No? No? Nobody? Well, then fine. I'm just not going to tell you anything that, that could, you know, keep us alive or have a vital important and that's the problem they're always in a threat where she's gonna get killed along with everyone else on the ship and yet she cannot formulate a way to communicate uh, uh so yeah okay fine she traced down an ion storm and good job there you go percy every once in a while does show some value but she could have shown some more value she could have she could have actually given me some reason why he keeps her on the ship apart from her being family and he's an ineffectual manager uh i don't know now remember if you will um why luke is on the ship well presumably she's a plant by the orchard she is and who planted her there well rudolfo did so is rudolfo going to let um dante take her away from the ship oh there was no that's why i say that's why i said it in the the recap it's like nobody watching this show would ever think that he's going to kick her off the ship that's just him sticking my ears tongue out at you but it's not going to happen it it isn't going to happen it's it's not it's not a credible threat to the audience and and obviously it's not a credible threat to lucretia as well and it's and you know, what, what's Dante going to do about it? Quit? He doesn't have any other way to look for his son. So, no. I mean, it's just it's just posturing. and Which is all he ever does with Percy, too. He postures. I'm not going to do anything. I, I know I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to complain. And this is one of the reasons I, I actively dislike the character of Dante. He's not, he doesn't bring anything to the equation here. He's just a body filling up the chair. Um, he's not brilliant tactician. He doesn't seem to be a great bounty hunter. I mean, he's a he's a journeyman bounty hunter at best. Lucretia seems far better at it than than he is. She is. And I I don't think it's clear as of this point in the show whether or not we have proof. You've said it, but I I don't know that I've seen anything that makes me think that Rudolfo is aware that Lucretia is an orchard agent. That's coming I, I, up. I, okay. But up to this point, I haven't seen anything that would say that. So despite all that, you know, not knowing that maybe you, you might be fooled into thinking that because, you know, the orchard doesn't pay his bills to keep his ships either. So th- there's reason to believe that he doesn't know uh, at this stage of the game. So maybe he'd back Dante up, but I just don't believe it. I, I, you know, I, I don't even believe he'd, he'd back up. Well, you can't do this alone. I mean, you're already subpar. Um, it, it just... There is something else going on here, and this episode takes us to a pivot point in the in the relationship between Dante and Luke. I'm just going to tell you that right now, that after this episode and the next one, um, it's a different relationship. Things will never be the same. They really won't between the two of them because, and actually it's after episode 15 where it really takes the pivot point, but the come, come thing, come to think of it. But then at at that point from there to the end of the season, it's a different working relationship between the two. Let me ask this question then. 
Have we ever seen a point up till now, and we can even include now, where Lucretia has worked against Dante? No. On behalf of the Orchard. No, she is always, she's worked with the Orchard, of course, but she's also been protective of the crew. Correct. She has, she has worked for the crew. She has done her job. She is the only professional on board this ship. She has done a great job. And, and as Dante says, your personal life doesn't matter to me unless it interferes with the ship. Now, in this episode, yes, she has gone off to her quarters when she should have been on the bridge. So I'll, I get that. But the fact is that in every instance where she left the bridge, she was trying to protect the ship. Yes, she was. So even though Dante doesn't like it and she can't explain, although she does explain it badly. But, you know, I was trying to see if I knew somebody on board that ship that could cut us some, cut us some slack. And did you? No. Okay. But the point is, that's what she was trying to do. Dante wasn't doing anything. Lucretia being on the bridge wouldn't have accomplished anything. So she has not actually done anything to Dante that is a betrayal of him. And in fact, she told the prisoner what he needed to hear to try to keep him when Dante would not. Dante was being dumb. She says, okay, I can get you to talk to Darius. All right, well, that's fine then. We're, we're all good then. No, no, you will not take him to Darius. Whoever, I don't care who Darius is. I mean, he was just, he was literally being an idiot at that stage of the game by vetoing that. He doesn't know what's going on, but it doesn't matter that I don't know what's going on. I'm not doing it. I'm the boss here. And I say what is, and, and he deserved to get zapped at that moment. And Lucretia still turned him over to the people who were paying the bounty and they collected the money. Double. Double. So she didn't exactly do anything wrong. Now I admit she probably should have, she probably should have as with, as with the other character. This is one of those things where this is like the whole, this is like the whole output of the CW, you know, all their Arrowverse stuff. None of those shows would make it from one end to the other if everybody didn't keep every secret bottled up inside of them when all they had to do is say, yeah, it turns out that that guy killed my brother and so da 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 or whatever it happens to be, even in the slightest detail, so that their motivations would now suddenly not be murky and torturous. But that's kind of what's happening here. She could have said, you know... She could have said to them up front when he said, I'll take him to Darius. She could have, and Dante's going, no, no. So get, listen, Darius is my father, right? I actually have a pipeline to him. What? Well, I mean, so what? This guy happens to want to talk to her father. Nothing nefarious there. Just coincidence. Just like they ran into her ex-husband. Just coincidence in the universe. And that could have, that could have shut Dante up. And she could have said, Darius is with the organization that's paying the bounty, so let's do this. Oh, okay. She didn't have to reveal that she was an undercover agent for them. She could just say, that's my dad. We're talking about my dad. He works for these people. Okay. I couldn't get hold of him. That's why I was trying to call. I couldn't get hold of him. She could have, much better lies she could have told. Much better lies. And 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 more more truthful, but at the same time, grease the wheels and... So this, this I think, is where they're, they're trying to artificially ramp up the drama where it doesn't need to be. And 
characters making bad decisions has never been never appealed to me um characters making good decisions and still encountering problems uh, and fixing them as opposed to characters causing their own problems by making bad decisions which is you know we we might as well just tattoo that across Percy's forehead character who makes bad decisions um to cause problems anyway what about the scene where where Percy tries to hold her to gunpoint yeah then she didn't and she and, and didn't shoot yeah were did we did we think Percy would shoot no but we know they have stun guns yes we do and i doubt that um and we've only seen i've only seen Percy shoot once and it was in uh, what was the title of the episode? The one with the um, two prisons. Well, and the one with the cult. She shot the guy. Yeah, that's the right. That's right. The second time, yes, exactly. Yeah. The rest of the time, that's right. I forgot about that. You're right. Um, other than that, it yeah, she's she's not much for guns. Except when he says, "Hey, lock yourself in the bridge. There's a dangerous prisoner on the loose." She one doesn't lock herself in the bridge, cause Percy. <laughs> bad decisions to advance the plot uh and and two she has a heck of a lot of fun to decide which gun she's gonna play with which is irresponsible at at best but she, you gotta think she's willing to shoot if you're gonna go take a gun and you're gonna go after a prisoner you gotta think they're willing to shoot <laughs> it's like and and especially when you have stun guns this this is always I mean, this is topical at the time we're. This is topical at the time we're recording this. Oh, very much so. Between between lethal and non-lethal use of force, when you know things like rubber bullets and tasers can lead to death, and they're not that non-lethal. They're they're still dangerous, dangerous weapons in the hands of potentially people who shouldn't be shooting people with rubber bullets, and and but in a science fiction world where a phaser for example, can be set on stun and hey, that's fine, right? Nobody nobody died from getting hit on stun. That that's that's the safe, friendly option. You know, I think I'd use it. You know, I mean I, I would be I would be in a situation where I would never, ever, ever shoot a human being. If I had a reliable stun weapon, I would. Because it's just a it's just a stun weapon. Yeah, I mean, I'm just incapacitating them. I'm not I'm not permanently hurting them, or I assume that we're not permanently hurting them. We don't know enough about their stun weapons to do that. But, you know, she has the drop on her. She's got what is potentially a stun weapon, and it, she appears to be double-dealing her uncle. And, um, and, you know, her animosity to Lucretia seems to come out in that scene. Trust you. I mean, we've had it a little bit here and there, and at times she she seems to trust her. So inconsistent and she generally still doesn't like her after this episode well i can see why because she's she's handled it she's handled this badly and they think she's a spy now which is she a spy because she's not there to spy on them lucretia is technically a spy though i classify her as a double agent well it is she I mean, doesn't a double agent or a spy have to be working against the people that they're embedded with? Is that um, the orchard put her there to orchard by means of Rodolfo put her there to collect information on the divinity cluster? Okay. And so, you know, periodically throughout the series so far, she's been reporting back information. Remember? Yeah, but Dante okay. is out there doing the same thing to find his son. 
So it's not like that's if I, if it's not interfering with her job performance, does it matter? Not really, no. Not but, really. But Bajalfa doesn't see it the way, at least not yet. Um, and then, but she's also working to protect the crew of the Tulip from certain elements of the orchard. Okay, so she's working on their behalf. Yes. <laughs> okay, so still, still all the good guy. <laughs> and so I've no, actually have no problem with that. But then again, that's just my perspective as a viewer. Yeah, I mean, I, but but she has done this in such a way. She has revealed what she has revealed. Or thank you, Orchard, for not having scrambling technology built into your your secure communication device so that no one can be overhearing you. Um, she has come off as if she is working against them. Or it, it could be easily misinterpreted Indeed as working it could. against them. Indeed, that's the but, we get the impression that's what happened. Yeah, and and it just does not does not jive with anything we've seen. That she is not working against them. She is like Dante has a side mission that coincides with traveling around, uh, hunting down people that have bounties on them, which include people that the orchard want captured. But the money is the same. When you're a bounty hunter, you don't get to. You don't get to decide who whose jobs you well, I guess maybe maybe Rodolfo does, but you know it, it doesn't matter why they're bringing him in. So all, all it seems like a perfectly amicable arrangement, and and one that's not even necessarily needed to be secret. <laughs> it's like it's like yeah oh yeah we got this guy we're trying to bring in big bounty okay let's go get it. Uh, we, Once wanted by the company my dad runs. Yeah, I've always, I've assumed also that when when Luke when Luke went on the ship, that she had orders not to tell that kind of detail. Quite likely, quite likely. That's quite likely. Uh, it, may, it may not be her bad decision. <laughs> it's like, but it you know it it does seem like it's. I don't know. Uh, anything else do we have on this? Um, here we are. Um, when Harmon was talking about the Divinity Cluster even in vague terms. They all sounded rather ominous, didn't they? Well, yeah, he said he's going to destroy everything. <laughs> and, uh, well, I actually, I do know what he meant by it because I saw right. the other episodes, but just say that, listen to him, he knows what he's talking about there. So let's let's look at that then for the moment. The the artifact, the, the, the thing that they found the at disc. Evening Star Sight in Africa. Or rather, the sector formerly known as Africa, which makes Africa, me wonder yeah. what people call it then, but okay. Yeah. Um, they have found this thing. In, a, in, a, uh, in another story that has certain parallels to this, let's say 2001, A Space Odyssey, aliens come to our planet and they impart upon the caveman the spark of... We'll call it intelligence, but what does our what does our what does our in that movie one does Australia Pythosens? I don't know that they called him by name, but um, yeah, there's something of that nature. Uh, yeah. They impart upon them the the art of using tools to kill people, and uh, like, which I think that's more commentary. But in other words, they've come to Earth to do something, and then at another point in man's development, he finds the monolith on the moon. He does. And that leads him to... Uh, Jupiter. I think it's Jupiter, yeah. And there, mankind transforms into the next stage of evolution as guided by 
by these beings. Benevolent? Uh, I guess in that case, Dave Bowman. Why star- would you go to this much trouble if you're trying to destroy mankind? It's not destroy. It's transform be- man I- into something else. I have to be very careful here with L right. the triggering the spoiler alert. Um, it's destroy after a fashion. Um, that, that's oh, that's why when I, when Harmon was giving his speech and he was using destroyer and. You know, hang I on am the destroyer of worlds, which is a quote, which is a quote Shiva, from right? well, exact... Oppenheimer, isn't it? And he was quoting Shiva, the god of war, I think, or something like that. From the from the Bhagavad Gita. Yes. Yeah. So um, my point is that, that, as I said, he he was he was using destroy in a way he was using his terms in such a way that the writer was obscuring what he meant. And he wasn't going to tell us what he meant because it was supposed to be a thing. And that tells you something. And to me, what all of this says, and I may be wrong, is that mankind, and we've, you know, we've seen enough evidence, is going to transform into something unrecognizable as mankind. And he sees that. And so, you know, in a way, you have destroyed mankind. Maybe this is how the aliens reproduce. Maybe this is their... This is their way of of creating like a cuckoo or something where they come in and they, well, that's not quite, that's not a good analogy, but that, you know, they have impregnated a wasp inside of a grub of humanity and it's going to burst out and then there'll be another swarm of wasps that will go across the universe and do this to some other poor planet uh, after a millions of year gestation period uh, of something of that nature. But clearly he sees what it is and he thinks it's, in air quotes, bad. It's a bad thing. Whatever it is, it's a bad thing. You would think that if they, if, if he is just ahead of the curve, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it was a bad thing. You, you, like, like, uh, like Eccleston at the beginning, you'd be actively trying to move on to the next phase. And that's... I, I've yet to see any philosophical argument here, like you know Captain Kirk giving us a giving us a good old Kirk speech about how you're not a human being if you don't have to suffer and toil and work in the fields all day long and just everything's given to you or, or you know something where they're trying to take a moral position that this transformation will make us not man and so therefore man is better than this other thing and so we are gone and. I don't know. It, it, you know, they they might still pull it out, but it just doesn't feel like they're going to. Wait till Eggleston like comes back in episode landing. twenty-two. <laughs> I guess when that says episode twenty-two, which is resurrection, and you may wonder resurrection of what, and um, or whom? Must I say? And um, Eggleston fills that in. So I don't. I don't. I don't have, well, anyway, it's like I say, it, it seems like a terribly imprecise way to affect this transformation. So presumably they have, in fact, infected the entirety of the human race. With the Divinity right? Cluster. With the Divinity Cluster. And we have so, already seen individuals transforming. Right. And that was done by the thing at the Evening Star site a long, long time ago. Three million years. What is the purpose of the medallion with a goo inside of it? 
That's a good <laughs> question. I, I guess it held the uh, transformative goo. And whatever it was, it also seemed to have transformed Harbin from this very respectable spook into a drug runner and drug dealer. Is that what? Is that where that happened? Yes. Because I wasn't sure about that. He was this respectable, intelligence spook until he stuck his finger in the goo, and then he became a drug runner and a drug dealer. Huh. I did not. I did not. I did not get that those two things were necessarily. Tied. I mean, obviously, his downfall has something to do with his involvement with this business. But for all we know, all that could be a lie, a cover story, so that you would uh, Ex- run him to ground. Except that all information in the episode is that the, his life changed after that expedition. It was pre-expedition and post-expedition. Hmm. Do you think the medallion was one that just didn't break open? Because, you know, it, been. it's... Or is it something that, I don't know. Oh, at the beginning just, of the first it episode, seems like a dual... we, we saw something, lots of little things going to the planet, right? You remember mm. this? Yeah. So it's uh, it could be one of those. But it didn't obviously do whatever it did to him, to the people or the creatures, well, three million years ago, whatever they did to then. Uh, obviously, they didn't start transforming into the the final form right away. So it had a different effect on them than it did on Harmon. It's almost like this is a different thing, but okay. Well, I think we probably picked on, picked on this enough. <laughs> it's like, so next time we got more of the same. Next uh, or... time uh, we have, okay, let's take what we have coming up here. Okay. Ep- this is episode 13 Epi- episodes, 13, 14 and 15 make a nice, a trilogy consistent through line to them. The um, episode 14 is Half Dense Players, where we're going to see that three million year old ship again. And that leads direct, and that, that episode opens directly after this one ends. Okay. And then episode 15 opens immediately after episode 14 ends. Okay. And then it's Dark and Stormy Night, which is the first season clip show that has a story that wraps up everything through episodes 1 through 15 and sets the stage to go forward. So 15 is a clip show. Yes. So it's be good. Then we to, might as well do 14 and 15 at the same time. 14 15 together may as well. Okay. So next time we will do 14 and 15. I will have to block out 2 hours. <laughs> for for watching <laughs> one go. All right. In that case, Kenneth, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time on another Invisible Man doubleheader, we'll look at the episodes Stop for Flashing Lights and 
pin money. I hope you'll come join the conversation.